Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 332, and today I'll be talking about Director's Cut from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, two months since our last regular podcast episode about Summer Camp Island, and we just so happen, through sheer fluke of scheduling, be on the episode that introduced a lot of the elements that were touched on in the big picture of the Susie Ramona episodes. Yeah, I had forgotten how much this episode revealed, because first when Oscar just sort of mentions, he's sort of musing to himself, wait, there used to be monsters in New Jersey? And the answer is yes, but then they actually get into it in full at the end. And I had on mind, you know, you know, how much is retcon and how much was a planned ahead of time? Clearly, the big picture of the story was planned out, but uh, I know that you have some qualms about <laughs> the specifics and timings of how the islands com- comes to be. And I, yes. I'm definitely questioning how... So, like, the witches forgot that they were witches in the 18th or 19th century. But monsters were just known by society and cast out as they were targeted to be, you know, put in cages or whatever. Yeah, some of this, I was thinking, some of this can be... Uh, massaged together like the the monsters that they're putting into captivity are monsters that have you know lost their higher functioning thoughts but other other parts of the story don't mesh up with what we saw they do have the people change the way they thought about magic but they make it sound in director's cut like it's just we don't like this magic stuff anymore whereas in the episode it's literally like this technology better and so magic is like okay fine if i'm not wanted all these things aren't magical anymore how do you like that right i want to know how it all ties together because i want to understand i don't want the same problem that happened in steven universe where we were questioning for so long how come the citizens of beach city seem (laughs) just comatose unreactive when when put in front of magic like what is their deal why do they treat it so naturally and Turned out we never really got our answer, except that we just didn't understand the context of these people's lives enough. Like, they just, this is just their lives, and so they're not particularly shocked by anything happening, per se. Like, they're they're used to it. I don't know how the, the knowledge of monsters and magic went away so fast in their world. They could have made it any time period, but it very, very explicitly happened, like, 200 years ago. And, yeah... 200 years ago, people in our country, in our timeline, in the real world, thought that witches were real in Salem, but, like, they weren't actually real. (laughs) This was, like, a much more widespread thing. Like, witches were everywhere, monsters were everywhere, or, I mean, they were in New Jersey. Well, I mean, if if the witches forgot they were witches, I think it stands to reason that the people around them also forgot that they were witches. We just didn't see that happen, I guess. But it wasn't 200 years ago, it was only like 100 years ago. We have a, I think somebody, somebody figured out what decade in the 18, oh, it might have been 200 years ago. I can't remember which decade in the 1800s they said that fashion looked like. Yeah, they just didn't really have widespread electri- an electrical grid yet. Although, I don't know what that crane was powered by at the docks. Mm. Like, maybe you wouldn't- Like it have steam. Electricity isn't the only form of power. Right, but maybe that's closer to turn of the 20th century technology. Anyway, I don't think Summer Camp Island, there was a several hundred year period. Like, it seems to be relatively following our timeline. So it's just interesting that they put themselves in this situation where all this stuff happened really fast and I don't know how. 
But that's okay, because why am I trying to why am I trying to figure out what the canonical timeline of the show is? There's a psychic mailbox to observe yeah. instead. Well, you know, I'm the I'm the kind of person who's gonna sit here and I'm gonna I'm gonna obsess over stuff like, okay, so in director's cut, he said, Oh yeah, well most magical stuff just ended up here. But in the Susie and Remote episodes, they make it pretty clear that everyone is aware that the witches are on this mission to restore magic to the rest of the world, so don't they know that magic specifically retreated to this island like come to think of it aren't the aren't the aliens pretty magical and it was all the magic in the universe retreating to the island so how come the aliens are still aliens like how come they don't have jobs like running dry cleaners in uh arizona or something but uh, are aliens power like is their stuff powered by magic or it's powered by sugar (laughs) question mark that's a that's a power in this universe. I mean, remember, this is coming from an Adventure Time, you know, at least some people. Adventure Time's world was powered by, you know, fire and water and candy. Who knows what the forces are? I mean, some would say that sugar itself is magical. Or it could be its own, like, lumpiness. It could be its own distinct thing. Like, we always forget about umami, right, as a, as a category of, of flavor in, in, in American food. You know, they, that could be the, you know, umami form of magic in, in the world. Maybe there's different uh, flavors to it. I don't know. But there was a psychic mailbox. <laughs> that was nice. They, they were adorable wood, on a single wooden wheel. Just had the word psychic written on the side. <laughs> mailbox stick on letters. I mean, that's just perfect. And I love their interaction. I think Summer Camp Island is at its strongest when it's just using its premise as an excuse to add in oddball little stuff like the psychic mailbox which is amazing to us but it's a fact of life even to someone like oscar well and the like the queen of all trees which happens to be next to to the umps uh that that killed me when she addressed it was was she addressing oscar or hedgehog as her liege that doesn't make any sense i didn't see any king trees around for her to be talking to i uh, well it could be a different monarchy structure over there uh, amongst the the trees of summer camp island that's a, that's a very different no, nobility structure, if she's referring to the campers as her liege. I believe it. <laughs> on this island. Only on this island. Also, so where is this island? In the Susie and Ramona episodes, kind of looked like it was in the middle of the Atlantic. In this episode, very clearly, on uh, Lum's package, we see that it's in Massachusetts. Or at least an island off of Massachusetts. Of course, it looks like an island that's really off of Massachusetts in the Susie and Ramona episodes. What do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think we're right there on the level of its magic. I ain't got to explain it. Has it been floating? I just, okay, it does. There are some things to think about here. Like, so, you know, these parents sent their kids off to this camp and they rode on a boat. If it was in the middle of Atlantic, that would be like a, is it 16 hours multi-day journey on the ocean? Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be taking a you wouldn't be taking a ferry into the Atlantic. I, I assume the original plan was for it to be not far from the coast of Massachusetts. But then did they saw, decide it was too magical? They decided to hype the danger up in the Susie Ramona episodes. I mean, there are a lot of details adding up that really make it feel like they started steering the ship in a new direction for season three. So, uh, I don't know. I'm starting to be more convinced that it is retcon myself now. But that's okay. All right. That's okay. Long, you know, strong tradition of retconning again from the from the Adventure Time days. But that's okay. 
I eagerly await the Summer Camp Island monthly comic book. Something something well supported, though, by this show forever is that Oscar is a sweet, sweet, sweet boy. And I love how adorable his parents are at thinking about him as a baby, but in a very, you know, loving way. And Oscar does not deserve to have adulthood thrust on him. And I'm glad that it's just barely a part of this episode or that, you know, that's his motivation for filming is that he wants to prove he's not a baby making up stories. And, and the emphasis is really on the making up stories part, not so much the I'm an immature child thing. You know, it's kind of there. But I just he needs to feel room, you know, to just be him. And I, you know, he's so sweet. Thankfully, everyone is so supportive of Oscar. I mean, except for Susie, but she's she's Susie. I'd like the room that Hedgehog gives Oscar when they're, you know, plotting right outside of, of Susie's house. And Hedgehog's like, do you remember the Contu snake? Do you remember <laughs> this? And Oscar, she just gives him so much room to just, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's so freaking adorable. Uh, since we're, since we're going to talk about that little bit, I loved Susie's response to technology. I, uh, I, I feel very similar when I'm, when, when I'm torn away from my PC and handed a smartphone and said, here, GC, this is a computer now. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it isn't. What? And it says Japan on the side. What is this thing? <laughs> and I love that she has to get the last, you know, the last word in with the smoke detector. Okay, to be fair to her, like, that smoke detector probably is sapient and probably is backsassing her. Yeah, so. no, it, it cursed her out. That singular beep had the distinct <laughs> quality tone of, of, of being a, a curse. I loved it. Hmm. <laughs> I also like that, you know, Summer Camp Island is paying attention to uh, viewers who are really worried about, you know, justifications, you know, avoiding cartoon logic, right? Because Oscar clarifies... That he always carries a little pencil in his back pocket, which is why he's able to write it on the package, which is hilarious. Like, they could have just had him have a pencil. No one would have questioned it. It's a cartoon. And yet, <laughs> they decide to explain Well, that. exactly. I don't think that they are avoiding the the cartoon, you know. No, of course not. Of course not. Conundrum. I think they are lip-shading, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I just... And it's like, they, they, had, they had to do that. It's like... On Invader Zim, I hope the Urkins just so happen to use the exact same operating system as me. <laughs> and what do you know? He the the same exploits that existed in the Membrane OS or whatever he was using just so happen to also exist in the Urk OS. Well, to be fair, Independence Day did it first, but they weren't as self uh, self aware of it, and they did it best. <laughs> but uh, also, so I guess. Oscar, when it threw me off first when he said, you know, he's filming Ava and he's like, oh, that could just be a guy in a suit. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just a person wearing a mailman's hat <laughs> in a trailer or, you know, what your parents, that's just normal. But then I realized, oh, yeah, I guess monsters. I'm so used to this world. You'd think, well, any kind of, you know, animal could exist and monsters are just an animal. But I guess in their world, monsters would look like monsters and they're very distinct, you know, and. I I guess yetis would be the same and all these creatures that they don't think exist. But it was funny to me because I'm, I realized I wasn't in the same frame of mind as the animal characters. I'm like, you live in a world of cartoon characters. What are you talking about? Just imagine uh, the same thing if we were doing a documentary and we had a blue person. And it's like, you know, on the, on the island there are people who are blue, they're red, they're green, they're orange. 
and uh, this is just normal. But, you know, a person who is used to, you know, what we would consider normal skin tones would immediately pick that out. So I, I guess there are just no animals that look like those specific monsters. Right, which... In New Jersey and elsewhere. What I want is I want a scene where the aliens show up and they're like, everyone's like screaming aliens, you know, like when they appear in New Jersey, which to us, you're just like, I don't know, some weird dog thing. I don't know. But they're like, that's an alien. <laughs> it's just very clearly an alien to them. It would be terrifying. The, the only way that I can imagine the aliens showing up in New Jersey would be the king leading, leaning on Puddle, holding a beer bottle in his hand, already very, very drunk, and proclaiming, let's party. <laughs> okay. And then everyone freaks out, and he's wondering why everyone is partying. Like, Oscar, your Paris party really weird. I'm going to go back home. This isn't my scene. <laughs> of all the visions you've had, <laughs> things that are likely to happen in a show, that one is um, one of my favorites. That is the most likely thing that would happen in New Jersey. <laughs> hey, hey, they're on HBO Max now, so <laughs> they can bust out the old Looney uh -huh. Tunes XXX Amber Bottle for me. Oh, God. I just want, um, I don't know why. I just, I think, uh, Vidalia with her rifle and Steven Universe can come on and join the, the alcohol field party. It was party. a double barrel shotgun, actually. Oh, excuse okay. me, excuse me. What am I saying? I should have known that. It's very clearly. That, uh, yeah, they, they haven't really pushed the envelope ever since, you know, Steven Universe was like hot dog in hand and then it just became a hot dog stand that, you know, I feel like wiener in hand, we actually. wiener in hand much. Well, actually that's much worse, much worse. <laughs> uh, somebody call Alec Baldwin. They, we have a third delicious dish skit. Actually, it's basically just a second, but. They've really, you know, I don't know. They've cut back on that in some ways. Although you look at like Animaniacs on Hulu and, you know, some places. But that cartoon doesn't really feel actually aimed at kids. I feel like the sort of just being explicitly sort of gross or crude is not looked at with the same sort of like love anymore. Like the types of jokes they want to tell. Like look at Summer Camp Island. You get a lot of enjoyability out of it, even as an adult. But not because it's like, oh, haha, wink, wink. Look at this joke above these kids' heads. You know, it can rarely happen, but it's more like just in the aesthetic of the show and the content and the way the characters talk is just enjoyable and it doesn't really matter what age you are, you know? Like, yeah, Adventure Time did it, you know, you had Jake explaining the 15 tiers or whatever. It's a thing, but even then it's in the ridiculousness of what he's saying that it's funny, you know, compared to just being like, haha, phallic thing, you know, so... But, you know, I do enjoy my Patrick Star building up sand and licking it before it becomes a lamp, you know, as much as the next guy. <laughs> uh, Sponge SpongeBob, say what you will about SpongeBob, had a very varied experience. Lots of adult humor in those first three seasons. A lot, lot, lot more, a uh, lot more just like an adult cartoon for kids. But, you know, what else to say? I mean, I guess I guess my big question about this episode uh, that we haven't addressed yet is, am I to understand that Howard really was stopping in the bush to go <laughs> back on his way to a costume party? Perfect ending. Or am I to understand that he was messing with them? I, no. I don't understand what I'm supposed to walk away from this episode thinking. No, okay, so first of all, I'm glad that this is how we can end the podcast, perfectly tying in with what we're talking about, that borderline, you know, what's adult humor, what's complete child potty humor. Uh, no, that's exactly what Howard was doing. The humor of it is that 
Like, it's supposed to look suspicious and like he could only somehow be hiding in a bush wearing that if he was trying to fool them. But in fact, he really was going to a costume party in a ridiculous costume. And two, <laughs> he uses the bathroom in the bush. I mean, that's what he does. He And he is not happy. You know, he's doing the classic, oh, I'm not me. I'm just trying to do my own business on my own. You know, as he climbs down the mountain. And that's, that's, you know, that is what we now know about Howard. It is a very personal thing that he was not interested in sharing freely. And uh, he was outed in front of everyone. And uh, surprisingly crude for Summer Camp Island. You know, they'll do farts yeah, and stuff. A... But that's a, it's a weird thing for, for people to do. Use the bathroom in bushes. Now, since, since you mentioned the cliff, I have to, we had a perfect stopping point. But I have to keep going just a little bit longer. I loved just the casual way. They're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get Oscar and Hedgehog up this cliff. We're not gonna mention this to either of us or to them. It's just gonna happen, and everybody's. It's like <laughs> we do this all the time at Supper Camp Island. Yeah, that was great. They're they're good at scaling rad cliffs. Yeah, I mean it's rad the way they scale them. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Director's Cut. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13 and I'm David. Don't forget to leave us. Uh, loving review on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.